Go LeBron and other people. All of it rolled into one big Katamari ball of shit. Nice little peep work there for me. Cut this, cut this, cut this. Do this or some three-hour bullshit with Rutger Hauer, because he's relevant. I don't give a shit how bad they are, I'm all about that. It feels like you have to be on some sort of a drug to enjoy that movie. It's just random. Hollywood is magic. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Movie Freaks, the only podcast on the net that enjoys films where people shout random things like pancakes and tech support. I'm Eric Marner. I'm Eugene Weaver. (laughs) And it is time to finally review the epic one, episode 100, that we put off for 100 episodes. Uh, Cabin Fever and Vanilla Sky on the roulette. We'll get into some rabbit trail talk and do a bunch of recently watched at the end, as we always do. But before that, how are we doing tonight, sir? How are you? I'm doing good. After this crazy week that I've had today is my son's birthday. He's six years old now, and he got his first little tiny cheap MP3 player that we put a couple songs on for him. And it's a it's a cheapie, but he's he's. He's pretty cool today, and also Star Wars Attack of the Clones full uh, graphic novel. So oh, he nice. was, oh yeah, he fell asleep to that book tonight. So that was really cool. <laughs> As a lot of us fell asleep to that movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was hacky, but whatever. No, it worked. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, I, I, it's been a little bit of a rough week with uh, both grandparents dying within seven days of each other. But yeah, you know, we, as you and I have talked. Uh, not on the show, obviously. Once you hit a certain age, it's like you know you've lived a good life, and they they lived good lives, and they were they were great. Uh, they were really good grandparents, and so um, yeah. It's when you pass ninety, it's it's gonna yeah. happen. That's yeah. yeah, yeah. So we can't all live forever. That's right. But hey, my condolences anyway. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's been kind of a nuts week for me as well, and I get to get up super early and go do a fundraiser thing, so that should be fun. Oh, tomorrow morning? Yep. Oh, uh, well, cheers to that. Let's yeah, thanks for having a nice uh, schedule where we work at nights and stuff. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> you yep. can only do certain days of the week. I, uh, it is what it is, but <laughs> anyway. All right, let's get on to the roulette where we try to uh, find those gems in the rough and avoid the grenades and share that information with you. But uh, this last week was a special uh, one that we've been putting off for literally uh, probably 15 years. <laughs> uh, Honestly, Cabin yeah, Fever probably. and Vanilla Sky. We both only watched once in the theater. And uh, last episode, we sold them to each other. The best mindset to go in with. You have pole position this week. It's up to you to go first. I even considered going first so that my review wouldn't sound a certain way, but I don't have the option. So I'll just I'll just shut up and let you dive on Vanilla Sky, and uh, then I'll we'll get into Cabin Fever. Okay, so, take so it away. So then, uh, after the reviews, then uh, I throw my roulette picks your way. Then, yeah, okay, just like we've done for a hundred. I know, yeah. <laughs> It's, I know we've been off because for a couple I, of weeks. Yeah. Seriously, I mean that's all it takes is a couple of weeks off of doing this. I'm like, no way. How? Huh? Yeah, we'll do our, we'll do our reviews, <laughs> then we'll we'll uh, get back to diving on the Netflix bombs. Okay, okay. Vanilla Sky. I uh, watched this on Netflix streaming HD, directed by Cameron Crowe. Not going to go into the finer details of the movie, but my review is what matters. Uh, and my review is. I right, tell you what. 
I, I let's do this for each of the respective movies because you enjoy Vanilla Sky, I enjoy Captain Fever. What do you think I thought of Vanilla Sky on my first and only repeat view? No, not only first repeat <laughs> viewing. Whatever. Uh, I, don't wanna... I think I think you're gonna come around and say that it was a well-made film, and you liked it. You enjoyed it better this time around, but it's still just not a film for you, and it's just not you, just too long and just not for you. But you at least recognize that it's well-made. That'd be my guess. Yeah. Um, you're you're pretty accurate. Um, I actually liked it a little bit more than that. Even okay. I came away. Uh, you know, I came away from that movie. It's the middle section that starts to get to me. And it started to get to me again. And, but for some reason, the end or the, the big, like, here's what, here's actually what's happening from mm-hmm. there on out. I was totally invested in way more than the first time. The first time I'm like, what? Come on. This time I'm like, Oh, and it's been so long that I literally, I like, I, I didn't remember that. Yeah. So it was almost like, I don't want to say almost like watching it again. Cause I remember certain, certain, things that go on in the movie. Penelope Cruz was eh in it. I thought Cameron Diaz played a great villain. Uh, she, she was nuts. I agree. I agree. She was really good in this, but this is a good movie. I I have turned around on the movie. I still have issue with the middle, and it maybe just is a personality thing where I'm like, it no, gets so I, what, heavy. What did, and I, just, what, what did I tell you in the prep? I, uh, last week, I told you there is something in that transition in between genres, you know, where, where it mm-hmm. makes that switch. And they even had to go back and show you at the end of the movie. Remember yeah. when you woke up in the street and the sky, it was like an album cover and blah, blah, blah. That's right in that vicinity. But the mm-hmm. more I think about it, um, would the film still work if you knew then? You'd just be like, oh, it's a dream. Why do I give a shit? Yeah. Anyway, stop. stop I, I, I but I will say... um I like the fact that, and I came away from the second viewing thinking, you know, there's different ways to interpret this movie. Uh, on one hand, seriously, I actually thought it could be straightforward like the movie plays out, and that's the way it is supposed to be. On the other hand, I, I'm not sure if you noticed, but I'm like, is this him paying for his sins and he's actually going to hell? And this, and that's crazy. It might seem crazy, but uh, Tilda Swinton is in it. And she seemed very like I'm Hell's Gatekeeper. Welcome. Is? Where is she? Oh, she's in the end. I haven't watched it in a while. Oh yeah, she's in the end, and I'm like, whoa! And she has red hair. Something. About, I'm like, is this like him? We're starting purgatory, or he's reliving purgatory? Something about it just felt like he could be almost like a repeat type thing that he is stuck in his own personal hell. It, it, there is an interpretational uh, aspect to the ending, but that's also what I like. Like, I want to see, leave him wanting more. I want to see what happens next. Does yeah. he wake up and it's like AI future with robots and stuff? Or does he go back into purgatory again? Yeah. Did you go read the wiki then of the five different... I did. I thought yeah. that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Penelope Cruz... And yeah, I agree. Uh, it, um, but she was in the first one, the original. Oh, yeah. As well. So it made sense for yeah. that. But Tom Cruise, he did fantastic in it. And so did um, Jason Lee. I really like Jason Lee in this movie. Mm-hmm. I 
honestly, other than Penelope Cruz, I liked pretty much everybody. I liked the movie. It, it does definitely still have a, uh, a bit of a, I don't want to say dated feel, because it's still, you can tell it's a pretty big budget movie, but it's older. Uh, and some of the music and the styles, I mean, you're, like, you're, you're still at the very tail end of the grunge era type. It feels like movie. a 90s movie. Yeah, it does. But 2001, um, so it would have been yeah. kind of in the nine, you know, maybe yeah. in the late 90s, yeah. So it, that uh, opening scene, though, where he's running through the streets of, uh, through Central Park, or not Central Park, um, Times Square. Times Square, yeah. Completely empty. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, that gets a thumbs up. I mean, it, regardless of what you thought of Cabin Fever, that gets a thumbs up. In fact, I could see myself watching that one again. I And I wonder if it's just because of there's been that long of a gap. I've grown up a lot since then. The people that I watched this with hated it. Uh, I watched this with my cousin Jason and yeah. some other people. And so, but it's and, one, you know, it's honestly, one of those movies though, where if you have kind of a shoddy experience with it, uh, with your surroundings, with it, it you're not going to enjoy it. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, Oh, it's a Tom Cruise movie. And Tom Cruise is awesome. But, you know, and so it's, and then it was this very heavy movie, literally like two months after nine 11. And it was just, uh, it was just, not a good setting when I watched the movie. I, and I remember watching it in the theater and I'm just thinking, oh, this is, ugh. And Tom Cruise but, is a douchebag in the movie, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But he plays the part. He's, he, I'll tell you what, I like that actor. No matter what crazy shenanigans he's done in his personal life, I think that Tom Cruise is a genuinely good actor. Cool. So, so anyway. like, like I said, I gave it like a seven and a half, eight out of yeah. ten. Where would you fall? I would probably fall almost right in there too, awesome. which surprises me. I I gotta say I was, and <laughs> once it hit the midpoint, I'm like, eh, here we go. I'm I know where, uh, but then once credits rolled, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I liked that movie. I <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed that movie. It's not fight. It's not as drastic of a of a turn as Fight Club was because Fight Club is a masterpiece. Yeah. And my first viewing, I'm like, ugh. This one here, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a solid movie. So, cool. there you awesome. go. Wow, that's a little better than I expected. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm impressed. That's what I was okay. hoping for. Again, I wasn't selling it as a masterpiece. I was selling yeah. it as, like, not terrible. But again, uh, we tend to, we're disagreeing with the bulk of critics. Uh, they're giving it, like, a four out of ten, roughly, yeah. with the Metacritic and all that. And if it wouldn't have been for that, because the end was really cool. I really liked where they went with that. And it made some of even Penelope Cruz's stuff not as not as trying, and it made Cameron Diaz. It made me just hate Cameron Diaz in the movie all the more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I totally dug the. This is actually what's going on, but it could mean this, 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 and this. So thumbs up. Open your eyes, and then it's yeah. over. Man. Yeah. Uh, and 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 all are talking about that. I don't know if we, if we've given a shout out to uh, Kurt Russell as the oh, psychiatrist yeah. or whatever, and he nailed it. Like right when that movie introduced him i'm like kurt russell i I think of him as a badass not as a psychiatrist or a doctor and he was good by the end i was like i buy it i Mm -hmm. uh, i like it yep uh okay you what did you think what do you think i'm going to say about cabin fever See, it's a different thing because this here was a little bit more of a big budget big production and you know cabin fever i've grown just every time I watch it, I love it because it's just silly. And well, there's no doubt Vanilla Sky was an easier sell. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you might be a little bit more forgiving because you've seen some of Eli Roth's other stuff. Um, but I don't think that you're going to love it like I do. 
but I don't think that you're going to absolutely despise it. Especially because you watched the director's cut, which does, I think, help the movie. But who knows? You could come back. And I'm prepared. I'm fully prepared for anything because it's quirky and weird. Back. Yeah, please back. do. Yeah. Um, okay. I We also discussed uh, watching the special features. Mm-hmm. I watched the making of before I watched the movie. I thought, you know, I'm familiar enough with it. I remember enough about it that I'm just going to watch that before. And I'm glad that I did. I'm glad I watched that beforehand. Uh, did it? Did the special features have a big effect on how I view the film? Not really. A little bit. It was nice to see that the cast had so much fun and and seemed to really enjoy what they were doing. And that that can kind of give, make me like it a little more, as opposed to a yeah. cast that's fighting or just you can tell they're just getting a paycheck. Yeah, uh, I agree. There were a couple parts where I was like, "Oh, okay, now I." in the making of where, okay, that's probably going to explain that. I get that. Uh, and then I watched the movie and, um, Oh, I had so many thoughts about this for the last week, but uh, now what do I say? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I will say this, that the first time I watched this movie in the theater, I absolutely hated it. And I will say this time when I watched it, I, it was very apparent that, I didn't get, quote-unquote, get the movie the first time that I watched it. And I would guess that since, what was it, 2002 when it came out, I've, yeah. like you said last episode, I've, I've watched way more Italian splatterfest nonsense that you've passed on to me, and way <laughs> more of that kind of stuff, um, so that I'm way more familiar with the things that he's referencing. And that's uh, very important to Cabin Fever, because... That movie is one big homage movie to Mm -hmm. Evil Dead, to the teen movies going out to the cabins, to Friday the 13th, to some of that Italian stuff, to all of it rolled into one big Katamari kind of ball of shit. And (laughs) um, so I will say that, that I will at least give it that the very first, the first time I watched it, I didn't get it. And now this time watching it, I get it. Now, I understand the film, I understand what it's trying to be, what it's trying to do, and so I have definitely have more respect for the movie this time around, uh, and I'm a little ashamed at, that I didn't, I, you know, but I didn't have that, the horror film history as much as I do now. Yeah. Uh, did I actually like the movie? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, did you like it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking about the technical aspects. I do, I'm doing this on purpose, I'm torturing you. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of would give it a pass. You know, I, I totally understand why you like it, and I totally mm-hmm. understand why horror fan likes it, and comedy horror fan, I totally get it. And I think that uh, I, I kind of have to say that Cabin in the Woods owes this movie a little bit. Because... What? Who? Holden? Okay, no problem. Uh, I just got to tuck... Holden will be easy. Okay. A couple minutes. Okay. Ah, nice little pee break there for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. After that short intermission, uh, yes, what was I saying that uh, Cabin in the Woods owes Cabin Fever? Yes, that point I wanted to make. Um, so, yeah, uh, Cab- uh, I want to say J.J. Abrams, that's not right. Uh, Joss Whedon's. Yes. Did he direct it or just write it? He just... He just wrote it. Yeah. And then yes. that, yeah. 
uh, Cabin in the Woods, which is an infinitely superior film, obviously. And if you really want to break it down in a lot of ways, it's, boy, it's almost just a actually functioning, better working version of Cabin Fever in a weird kind of homage way. It's homaging the same frickin' movies. And it just, what Cabin Fever shows is to me as a certain writing style that is Eli Roth's and why I'm not a huge fan of most of his movies. He's very abrasive. Yes, he is. The way he writes. And it's it's hard to swallow some of the... I'm going to go shoot those gay squirrels because they're yeah. gay. And it's just like, okay. Or because they're yeah. fags. That's what he was saying. It's like, oh, yeah. all right. Yeah, I guess you're showing your age. But also, <sighs> do you have to be... And they're off shooting other people. I don't know. It's just... It's very abrasive in its tone. Whereas Joss Whedon is all kinds of smooth and can yeah. do kind of the exact same thing, but you're sort of like, everybody's happy and on board, even though it's kind of, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but. Yeah. No, I, what's funny is I totally get that because I've seen, all, I, I'm like, yeah, that's, that he is abrasive in his writing and how his, it's very dude bro-ish type. Very, very. But <laughs> it's also, you know, I, I, would Cabin in the Woods exist without Cabin Fever? I mean, yes, but you have to. Have, uh, we talk about stepping stones a lot for this this kind of shit. Yeah, and it's it's a stepping stone to that comedy horror getting back into it. You know, it, it, there now comedy horrors existed in the eighties and yeah, a long time ago. But every now and then, there's a certain one that takes an extra step and goes one more level. And I have to say that it probably is that. Now, here's what I actually... Did I enjoy the movie part of, of, of the review? More so than I did the first time, because I wanted to walk out of the theater. Uh, this time, I didn't hate it like that. It was sort of like, you know, I love the first half, because it's more of that straightforward kind of horror stuff. But then in about the second half, it feels like they started smoking weed. Because oh, they're like, yeah. it, it starts, let's do more comedy stuff, and then it, it, here's a random scene, and then here's a random scene, and then they go, like, they go to that house, a uh, random house, looking for help, or a telephone. And then there's, this is a technical thing, but it still irritated the shit out of me. Uh, they're, like, knocking on the door, and then there's a splice cut to a curtain that's looking at nothing for, like, five seconds has no point whatsoever, and then splice back to the people at the front door. It, like, had, it, it had zero purpose. And it was like, why is that in there? Like, what is the... Seriously. You huh. <laughs> Ooh, here's my Fellini. Here's my Fellini shot. A curtain. It means... Uh, it, 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 just little things like that tend to really... Like, I'll drop a movie a whole point because of that. Yeah. Uh, a completely worthless shot. It set no tone or emotion. It, it was completely worthless, especially in a movie like this. But there's also then like, oh, then we stumble down and we're at a party. I, and it's like, not for nothing, but the majority of the humor in this movie does not work for me. What Like, the horror stuff is great. Even though I don't tend to like uh, disease movies. Yeah. I don't like that in movies. It's a, it's a personal thing with me. I don't I don't like it when James Bond gets poisoned in Casino Royale. That pisses me off. I don't like that part because like, <laughs> I feel like I'm helpless. Like all the other stuff, I'm always like, yeah. well, if I'm fighting the bear from The Revenant, at least I could punch it or something. And I can't punch a disease or a poisoning. So whenever it happens, I'm like, eh. They're screwed. Yeah. I feel like I'm 
fucked, and I don't like yeah. that. But so that automatically puts me off this movie. You know what I mean? That's just yeah. a personal thing. Like, somebody doesn't like a slasher movie or a vampire movie, whatever. Uh, but putting that aside, it's still... I, I'll go along with the horror part of this movie. I, I enjoy those aspects of this movie. This movie is all about the deer scene. That is the best part of this entire movie. Oh, that deer scene was great. The deer in the... Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> and gross. Oh, I'm like, oh, it's just bloody and just... Yes, uh. it's great. But then they get back to the comedy. Dude, you messed up the party, man. I hated that guy so much. I wanted him to go die. It was a living embodiment of Eli Roth. It's what you wanted. But then again, there was there are people like this in those old Italian movies where they only care about the party. I get it. I, I see what I'm saying? I get it this time. Uh, <laughs> now, did you notice the one scene where uh, the, uh, the the squirrel shooter guy, he uh, goes in to try and get help and he's spitting blood all over the place. And uh, and then he takes off and then his the hillbilly guys chase after him. Yeah. In, in their truck. Okay, so... And, and, like, he already has left, and then they hop in there, like, get the shotgun. We've got a problem, whatever. And then cut to the very next scene, and the truck is, they're, like, they're, like, a foot apart from each other, racing down the road. We're like, how did they catch up with each other that quick? I, see, like, I don't care about that. I don't care that they caught up in two seconds. That doesn't bother me. I'll go, I'll go along with that kind of stuff as, that's kind of an 80s trope there. Yeah, because, because, yeah, they, I think I brought that up last week, that movie that was called Trapped that I watched. Mm. Um, did I talked about that movie? I'm not sure. I just, it's a code code red Blu-ray that I got called Trapped about these. I think that was on your show, but I could be wrong. At any okay. Well, anyway, anyway, that scene was lifted directly to my, in my opinion, directly lifted from that movie where it just all of a sudden there's there's these two cars that are side like tight together. I'm like, what? There was like a a big lead. Like the 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 guy had a big lead to begin with in his car. And now all of a sudden the bad guy is is right Honestly, on his I'm tape. Serious. That didn't bother me one bit. I don't care. Yeah, I didn't. Care. I, 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 I love that. I stuff. didn't care about that at, at all. That's that's yeah. totally fine. Go ahead and do that. I'll, I'll swallow that. Uh, the three minutes leading up to that are the worst part of this movie. I absolutely hate the scene where gay squirrel killer guy rolls pancakes. into there and pancakes, and then they all come out and want to shoot him because Dennis bit him. That makes me want to set this movie on fire. Like, <laughs> and people are like, laugh at that. Like, that is not funny writing. Oh, like, I think it's... I, I, you're, like, you're I, laughing because you've watched a million shitty Italian horror movies where just random blonde kung fu martial arts... <sighs> but that's what I'm talking about with this movie. The horror elements work for me. The comedy does not. It's the same with mm. that kind of that dead and breakfast that you love so much. I, I watched half of it and I was like, to hell with this movie. I, yeah, I loved that movie. Comedy is, I mean, it's so subjective. Yeah, it is. Much like, eh, spoiler alert for you, but not for our, anybody that's a fan of the Facebook page. Let's see, we're recording on a Wednesday. My review comes out tomorrow, where I do a review slash rant on the action genre. Um, <laughs> this episode will release on Saturday, so everybody will have read it by then, but... Uh, the subjectivity of comedy and uh, as a, as a genre and action, I think. I mean, man, there are two that are just that everybody is so hard on those two. Yeah, with comedy, everybody loves a thing or they hate a thing. But then again, I'm I'm way harder on comedies than most people. Um, on the other hand, you can take a movie like Waiting. You and I love Waiting and laugh hysterically. And then there's 
50% of the other population that are like, didn't laugh one time, hated it. And we do the same kind of thing. It's same with action. I don't know why action is held to the same, this different standard that all other genres are. You know, I bet if you named the best groundbreaking uh, action films in the world that have ever come out, you could count them on your fingers. It's the same 10. I, I read, I talk about it in the review that everybody's read two days ago. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you, you can read it tomorrow. But, uh, the, my point stands with subjectivity of comedy. If the comedy aspects of the horror comedy don't work, that's half the film that doesn't work for me. Yeah. And that's writing. And it's not necessarily wrong. It's just not for me. And that's kind of where I come down on this movie. I give it a passing thumbs up in that I understand it now. I don't hate it now. Uh, I'm, I hate the comedy parts of it for the most, for the most part. Um, the horror parts though, I really enjoyed this time around and I could see myself revisiting this, uh, you know, another good stretch down the road. I'll be like, you know what? Maybe I should go back and watch that again. Like I can definitely see that happening. Ah, cool. Good. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm glad I was hoping that it would be like, yeah, sorry, dude. I, I hated this movie every bit as much as I did the first time. There are certain, there are just certain parts of it that really bug the shit out of me and it's totally 100% on the writing it's yeah. it's when the rednecks are approaching the cabin to to find the guy and they walk up by the fire pit and you know the night before he had flung fire all over the place and just kind of burned some stuff up they walk by and they look at that and they go something like must be satanists yep i'm like what the fuck does that mean <laughs> <laughs> because you have a campfire in the middle of nowhere, you're Satanist? Like, what? <sighs> I I live in Ohio. I'm around a lot of rednecks. Scary ones. Not full hillbilly, but damn rednecks. None of them would do that. Like, <sighs> whatever. Because that was, seriously, there are towns within five minutes of me that were like this town in this movie. Yeah. That level of redneck. Yeah. Now, I am curious what you'd think of, and I will never make you watch it unless you're... <laughs> I'm curious what you think of the remake of Cabin Fever. Oh, I, uh, I'd give it a shot. No. Because they jettison all of that quirky, weird humor, and they try to make it more of a straight-on horror movie. But you read my review. It's it's yeah. awful. I hated that movie. Uh, I can't imagine that you would really I'll tell you like this. It. If it pops on Netflix, which is probably inevitable for that uh, yeah, is as bad as it bombed. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, you should. I, there's very little to recommend in that movie. That is as cookie cutter. At the very least, uh, Eli Roth's Cabin Fever tried to be something a little bit odd and different and weird. It did, Whereas, but at the same time, this time I'm watching it, I was shocked at how many films it was like bowing down to. Like I love, oh, yes. you know, I, I was. It was a very different watch this time around. Very different. Yeah. Well, same with Vanilla Sky. It was <laughs> all right. Well, that was kind of successful, and I think yeah, it was. That was fun. I'm glad that we finally, finally, after years, <laughs> we also uh, have to set the stage for episode 200. <laughs> and in doing so, I was like, "How am I going to figure out what the hell?" Because that that was this was this one we just stumbled on. So I was like, "How the hell am I going to figure this out?" I was like, "You know what? I'm going to go look at my film aficionado." Uh, webpage and I'm just going to look at my Blu-rays and see if there's any there that I love that I know Eugene hates that he's seen once. And I came up with one that fits the bill very, very well. And that would be the box. Mm -hmm. Uh, Richard, what's his name? 
uh, Donnie Darko guy. Not Richard Kelly. Yes, um, Richard Kelly. Richard Kelly, okay, yeah. Yep. I, that is my, as of now, well, we have plenty of episodes to get to 200, but yeah. as of now, that's going to be my offering. Because yeah. I love that movie. I think that movie is a masterpiece, and in 20 years, it will be rediscovered as such. But. And for me, uh, my my choice for you will certainly be another another one that uh, that you've actually talked about rewatching at some point, and that's uh, Dario Argento's Tenebrae, which is my all time all time favorite Giallo movie ever. Seriously, it is, wow! It is the standard by which all other Giallos are. I, every time I watch it, I like it more, and I like it more. I think because of the reasons why you were like, eh. So, but we'll we'll get into that. Oh, we got da- another hundred down the road to talk about that to start building the momentum. <laughs> yeah, wow! Hearing you talk so. about Tenebra like that, that that really makes me want to watch the box. Okay, let's move on to <laughs> <laughs> selling our uh, next round of roulettes. And we've we've eaten up tons of time, so let's try and hustle through uh, this segment, this part of of the roulette. Okay, uh, go ahead. Okay, so first up is a movie called Admiral from 2015. Popped up on Netflix. Looks pretty good. Uh, two hours and it's not short. Yep. <laughs> uh, but and and because of that, I'm like, uh, but still, Rutger Hauer is in this. Charles Dance is in this. When the young young Republic of the Netherlands is attacked by England, France, and Germany, and the country itself is on the brink of civil war, only one man can lead the country's strongest weapon: the Dutch fleet. Nobody expects the Dutch. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So there you go. Uh, but it was filmed in um, another country. I'm not sure. Bork, Bork, maybe? Or I... <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. It might be good. Uh, I Actually, you know, it's probably one of those where, to me, I bet it's going to have really good production values. And it's got some pretty good names in it. So you never know. I'll Next. add it to the queue. Okay. Next up is... Welcome to uh, Lathe. Lathe, I'd say. Lathe, yeah. This is a documentary. Documentary thriller. Uh, It's a feature documentary chronicling the attempted takeover of a small town in North Dakota by notorious white supremacist Craig uh, Craig Cobb. Filmed in the days... I'm on Netflix, or IMDb, by the way. Filmed in the days leading up to Cobb's arrest for terrorizing the townspeople on an armed patrol and his subsequent release from jail six months later. Uh, it sounds good and dark. And, okay, last but not least is Run, Boy, Run. And you know what? I know it's 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 tough subject matter. Wait a minute. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on IMDb here, so of course. Uh, hang on, I've got Netflix. Just give me a sec. I want to make sure that, because the one that pops up is a short film, and it, this is not a short uh, film. 107 right? minutes, an eight-year-old Jewish boy escapes the Warsaw Ghetto and hides in the woods where he takes extraordinary measures to survive. That's it. Uh, th- that just, to me, sounds really, really good. Uh, but again, it's it's not going to be fun, happy, uplifting stuff, but it sounds really good. Okay. Anyway, there you go. Uh, and on my side, I'm selling to you, they look like people at a terrifyingly brisk 80 minutes. While visiting an old friend in New York City, a man begins receiving eerie phone calls that warn him something evil is about to happen. Maybe that's something, but I gotta throw a horror on there, or none of this stuff will get watched. Um, 
scratching my sci-fi itch when uh, paradox when a scientist from a team working on a time travel project manages to leap one hour ahead he returns with some shocking news starring zoe bell which would immediately take it off my list except for the fact <laughs> that it's a time travel thing and i am a sucker for time travel anything i can't help it and lastly the lady in the car with glasses and a gun when a woman takes her boss's car on a seaside joyride, locals in a town she's never been to claim to know her, and a dead body turns up in the trunk. You have a tough roulette to pick ahead of you, I believe. Yes. But I think I know what you'll take. Anyway, I needed an excuse to finally push play on Paradox, which I don't believe you'll pick, and I kept <laughs> almost pushing play on it, and I was like, no, I am gonna throw this bitch at Eugene because Zoe Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, That's so I, I love you, but but you, you can't quite carry a film by yourself. It just, yeah. She was so good in Death Proof. And Kill Bill. She was yeah. the stunt double for Uma Thurman. Yes. Um, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so do you, so you want my choice? Oh, yeah. They look I'm like a, people. Yeah, they look like people. Wah, wah. <laughs> 80-minute horror Netflix cheapy that'll probably suck. That's me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> For every 10 of those, there's a creep in there, or there's a uh, honeymoon or housebound, so I'm always on the lookout. That's what it's for. We're here to find the gems. Yep. That's uh, right. On my side, uh, Admiral was a trap, uh, like Mr. Akbar. And ah, Bork, Bork. No, that one's a trap. You're, you're, you're putting that on there, and you know it's too long, that, so that I will automatically pick something else. Uh, run, boy, run, and, <laughs> and welcome to Lath are both on my queue. They, I added both of those, and that was almost a coin flip. But I'll take welcome to Lath. I'm in the mood for a documentary, even though it's a dark Nazi thing. Both of those are dark Nazi things, but you're like, well, do this or some three-hour bullshit with Rutger Hauer, because he's relevant. It's a, it's a trap. It's a That's trap. good. <laughs> that was good. Okay. Um, uh, it's funny how you can actually, like, we can almost strategically... I know we do. I know how your brain works. I, I like, play the, okay, I play the so same I'll, games as you. Like, if I yeah. put this shit on there... Yeah, here's the three-hour one... <laughs> So here's the two-hour one, and here's the hour and 15-minute one that you will pick. Yeah, here's the three-hour version, the, the two-and-a-half-hour version, and then an asylum film. Yes. <laughs> oh, good times. Yeah. That's, oh. I know how your brain works. And mine is very much like mine. Well, if I put this bullshit on, I'm, I'm sure he'll yeah. let it go. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on, because uh, we spent... Quite a bit of time on the roulette this this episode, as well-deserved, because it was a yeah. long coming. Uh, yeah. For the next thing here, I, we promised that we wouldn't do questions of the week, so we're kind of doing topic of the week, I guess. Uh, yeah. Let's just call it the rabbit trail, because I've got a couple of things here I want to throw out, and uh, you said you do too, and it's just going to be kind of random topics. We're going to go all over the place. Um, I have five, but I only really want to touch on three, and that's still probably too many. Okay. Lead us off because it's your turn. Okay. Um, and I'm actually starting to compile a list of just rabbit trail type subject matter that I'd love to discuss on the show and get maybe some feedback from listeners as well. But uh, the one that – this was actually the last one that I 
that I typed out before the show. I'm like, oh, this might be, make some, for some good conversation and we'll see where it leads. But what movies do you think would make for a good remake? And the original source material can be utter, complete mystery science theater garbage, or it can be like a classic or a recent movie. Uh, any movie at all that would be like, you know what? That would make for a great retelling or a great reboot. Mm. Uh, I have an answer for that, and it's the number one answer. I, I've been making uh, podcast comments about it in the hope that anyone from Hollywood ever hears my plea. Uh, the Last Starfighter needs to be remade. Man, that's on my list. That's, that is on my list, because I made my own list, and that was one of them. Number one for me. It's a... I loved... Oh, I adored that movie growing up, and after a long stretch, I came back to it and rewatched it, and was like... One of the things I loved the most was the special effects as a kid. And then I going back to it, I was like, oh my god, they did all of the special effects on an Atari 2600, maybe. Or maybe a 7800. I, I Holy, terrible, bad. <laughs> uh, and I'm just talking about the uh, computer-generated stuff in space. The actual physical effects with the makeup and, and all of that stuff with the aliens, oh, that stuff was all money. That stuff works fine. But the space effects were god-awful. So that would be the number one thing on my list. There's another thing that... <laughs> uh, here goes the rabbit trail. Have you ever watched The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, starring Peter Weller? It's so weird that you bring that up. I have not seen that, but that is getting a Blu-ray release here in the States, and, I, and I've just seen it pop up, and I'm like, you know, that's a movie that I've never seen. And I've always, Is that... Um, have you seen it? Yes, I've seen the movie. Oh, okay. Um, but I've always wanted to see that, and I never did. It's bad, but it's bizarre good bad. Like, it's a bad film, like, uh, they didn't have the budget to do exactly what they were trying to do, which is a sci-fi comedy kind of thing. Uh, okay. Very tongue-in-cheek. It's very hard to explain. It's, it definitely qualifies as an anomaly of cinema. Um, and I didn't watch it until, like, just a few years ago. But uh, I was like... This is bad, but I'm still, like, totally into this world. It's very strange. Okay. Uh, now, on to my side of things, where I'm just kind of doing some movie news this week, uh, Buckaroo Banzai is being developed as a TV series. The interesting part about that is the showrunner for the for the series is going to be Buckaroo Banzai super-duper-crazy superfan, Kevin Smith. Oh, really? Okay. I kind of trust it being in his hands because he got the quote unquote, that's going to be the title of this episode. I'm sure quote unquote, got it. He got that <laughs> film and you can hear it in one of his podcasts. He did a, a, a live thing with Peter Weller where they uh, showed the film and we're talking about it. Cause it was the whatever 25th and 30th anniversary. I don't know how long it's been out, whatever. Uh, but he, he, uh, described his feelings about the film and how he grew up with it and what it meant to him. And Peter Weller turned to uh, his co-star. I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> Another big name it was the who was it? The bad guy from Cliffhanger. Michael Rooker? No, not Michael Rooker. Um, uh, he was in Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, John Lithgow. Yes, John Lithgow was okay. was in that movie as well. So Peter Weller turned to John Lithgow and said, "You know, I well, he had already said, I don't, I still don't get Buckaroo Banzai." And after Kevin Smith talked about it, he turned to him and said, "You know, if there was a bunch of that fat guy in the jersey <laughs> back then, <laughs> that movie would have been successful because um, ah. it wasn't a successful film." Yeah. 
looking at the cast, though, Jeff Goldblum was in this. Uh, Ellen Barkin, uh, Christopher Lloyd was in it. It's a must wow. watch. Even if, and I'll tell you, I can't fathom you'll like this movie. It's bad and it's weird. Yeah. And, but you can see what they're trying to do, and it just, you're kind of like, that's, I, it's like, I really want to like this strange story yeah. about a guy who's like a doctor, scientist, everything, this Buckaroo Bonsai. But anyway, they're turning it into a TV series, and it sounds like they're really, it's really gonna happen. So, like, uh, what was he saying in the episode I was to him today? He said, uh, like, the first, uh, season would be remaking the movie. And then the second season would be the sequel that everybody wanted because they kind of set up this staging for a universe. And then there was no sequel. Wow. Huh. So anyway, that's... I've got to see that movie sometime. Yeah, check it out. But go in with expectations properly set. It's fucking bad. (laughs) But the concepts and ideas and some of the jokes, they work. It's, I don't know, it's hard to, it's really hard to explain. It's totally an anomaly of cinema and you should at least watch it once. Maybe like, maybe I should uh, compare it to that, uh, what's that other movie? Flash Gordon? Oh. With the, is it Flash Gordon? What is the... Oh, probably with the Queen who's the bad, song. Who's the bad guy in that? Uh, um, I watched Flash Gordon one time, and I'm like, ah, that's not good. That I, was I haven't from, watched it. Um, let's see who is it. Oh, yeah. Um, Max von Yeah, uh, Max Side von Yeah. Yeah. Good. Emperor Ming. Yeah, I watched that movie one time, and it's so bizarro, and it feels like you have to be on some sort of a drug to enjoy that movie. <laughs> it's not quite like that. I haven't seen Flash Gordon, but I watched a couple yeah. of snippets of it, and I was like, it's one of those things where it feels like they're trying to do a 50s sci-fi throwback thing, and that's kind of interesting. I haven't seen the whole thing. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Buckaroo Banzai is not like that, necessarily. It's a little more like Howard the Duck, but not just extremely strange with weird duck-human boob nudity scenes anyway yeah. is there is there good like the uh practical effects are they at all good no oh no it's Ooh. it's 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 like uh as i recall it was like pipes and wires from a construction site strapped onto people's arms to look like a th- i don't know it was it's been a while since i watched it but yeah. i just remember thinking it, it had some really cool ideas it just didn't have any budget to deliver it yeah anyway. okay but it again Check it out. Tell me what you think. Okay. Uh, what about you? Remake. What What do you think should be remade? Uh, well, I'm sure you you've know, got I, some horror stuff, right? Oh, yeah. I've got some horror stuff and, um, wow. Uh, where do I start? I'm, you know, I'm going to start with one that I, that I would like to, I, I wish that they would bring back and that is the alien ripoff. Uh, I think that they should remake one of the old Roger Corman Alien ripoffs, Forbidden World and the Galaxy of Terror. I love those two movies, and they are essentially alien ripoffs. But I would, and even Creature, I would love for like a down and dirty, practical, practical effects driven, gory alien type knockoff. Especially Forbidden World, which is just insane. It's I love, love, love that movie. Uh, just. Minimal sets and a cool practical effects monster, lots of gore, lots of nudity. I, 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 I think it's easy. Like, it wouldn't be that expensive to make. And I think that there's a fan base out there for that type of thing. Uh, I, so. both of those movies, I, I think I've seen once and I, it's hard for me to separate what they are. I can't even conjure up a plot for either one of those things. 
Um, but as the resident sci-fi dork, I completely agree. We need more alien movies on every front whatsoever. I don't care if it's alien yeah. that or fucking wing commander. Do something. Yeah. More space. Do movies, something. Please. I, I would love yes. that. I, like literally when you, when you're in the theater or at home, like it's outer space and there are spaceships flying around and it's not Star Wars or Star Trek. It's something in outer space. The, the, the black hole is another one. Please, someone remake the black hole. Yeah, I think eventually that'll happen. They got that I do Joseph too. Kaczynski. I think he loves that one enough that he's going to keep pushing on that one. Uh, I got yeah. one for you. Um, uh, boy, when was that movie released? I gotta look it up here. I can't even remember what the movie was. It's or what what it's titled. Uh, it was an animated film. Uh, Matt Damon, Drew Barrymore. It wasn't too terrible long ago. Animated movie. Yeah, uh, they did the voices. Was it a Disney movie? And ugh, boy, I'm, I'm, hold on a sec. Uh, I have the Google. Just wait, I'll find it. <laughs> Matt Damon animated movies. Titan AE from two Ooh, good movie from two thousand. I a live action movie like that would work. You have uh, you don't need to reference the original at all. Just remake it with live action people. It already has an established setup of aliens and off-world people and other planets are populated and just kind of go with it, and that's the kind of sci-fi movie I want more of. It's like Star Wars or Star Trek. It's like, there's other people and there's aliens, just roll with it. It's You know, too often they're like, well, we gotta tell the story of how we made first contact with these other aliens and shit. No, you don't. Just go. Just Just go. We can... can, uh, suspend our disbelief and accept that these kinds of things exist. We've been doing it since the 70s, 60s, yeah. 50s. Sci-fi goes back a long time. Yeah. Oh, even going back to this Forbidden World movie, it starts with a space battle that you have almost no idea what's going on. It's just some dude and his C-3PO knockoff beside him and they're battling space aliens and then they land on this planet and there's an alien that is uh, killing off the 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 people on this small base and then there's sex and violence and the movie ends in 80 minutes and it's great it is such a good movie i've watched this movie every that's a yearly watch for me and every time i watch it i'm like this is such a cool fun movie with a million bucks thrown at it this thing could be a great grindhousey low budget fun remake type of thing so and I, I guess that comes down to even like Last Starfighter, a, a even a low budget twenty five thirty million dollar, you know more of a major theatrical release type of thing. Last Starfighter is prime for a remake. Prime for a remake. Uh, I'll go. I'll, I'll I'll throw a controversial one out there. Nineteen twenty seven Metropolis Fritz Lang. Hmm. I would watch a remake of that. They did the animated version. Yeah, I don't know. It was like 2001 or so. I, we watched that at your house. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Yep. And I love the, the animated version. I, yes, I, it was fantastic. The original version is fantastic as well, but 1927. You could go ahead and... I, I don't know. I think that enough time has passed that some people can let it go. It's amazing how people cling to these remakes, which leads us to my next topic. Lots of controversy on the internet in the last few weeks surrounding... Delicate wording. Ghostbusters and all of the mm. sexist, Backlash. not sexist, yes. uh, 
talk about that movie. And I, I hesitated even getting into this one because it's so kind of controversial. Um, to date, I don't believe I've made any statements about the remake, and I don't intend to make any statements about it. I'll keep my personal thoughts to my personal own ass, because I feel there's a great wave of people out there that uh, if you say anything negative whatsoever about this remake, uh, you are sexist, period, and done. And wow, that is kind of a scary prospect i've seen a lot a lot part of it is my fault because i've been breaking my rule about not reading the comments section of uh articles online you go look through there man it's populated with idiots it's one side is girls are dumb and not funny don't make movies because ghostbusters (laughs) masterpiece and the other side is like oh you you didn't think that that trailer was funny you're a misogynistic sexist pig now that probably rapes women in your off time. <laughs> Not a lot of middle ground in there. Uh, but yeah. there's some of us that go, wow, some of those jokes are kind of recycled and, hmm, I'm just curious. And I'm, I'm, I like the original movie, but, uh, I'm not like super fan or anything. Okay. You know, and it's, those people are also going, you're sexist. You just hate women and comedy. Not funny. No, no, not really. But <laughs> anyway, uh, your thoughts on the Ghostbusters reboot? What do you think? I've I I love the original Ghostbusters. That is one of my uh, go to childhood favorites, and a, a, one of my biggest childhood memories is my mom taking me to see Ghostbusters when it came out, and I loved the movie then, and I still love the movie now. And so I am holding out hope that the movie is uh, it's going to be. Good. I hope that it's better than all of the negative backlash that it's getting. Much like Batman vs. Superman was getting all sorts of hate before, during, and after its release. I, I, you know, it seems like everybody wants to hate this movie. It's, it's so I'm, and weird. And I'm not there, but then again, I didn't, I don't think the original is the greatest thing in the world. I'm like, I, I like it. It's a really good movie, yeah. but it's not something I'm pulling out every year or five. I mean, yeah. it's good. It's funny. I like it, but it's, I don't know. I just don't understand why people are so up in arms about this movie. You know, I wonder if it, it I wonder if, um, my, my nostalgia plays a factor in this. And this was going to lead into one of my recently watched later on. I might uh, reference back to this because I grew up, Watching the Ghostbusters and loving the Ghostbusters. I was 10 years old when I watched it, and so it was a part of my childhood and part of my life. Do you care life. that it's a bunch of females that are remaking it, though? No, I could give a shit less. Like, that doesn't, that affects me nothing. I me don't either. Care. Like, I, I, it never once crossed my mind to be like, females? I, I don't even no. understand why this is an issue. I mean, I get no. it that it, it's out there and it exists because there have been a lot of assholes out there. Uh, going f feminists we want our real ghostbusters with men i i, I understand there's no, a that contingent of that but you it's the internet you know it's yeah they live to do these kinds of trolley things even if they're not being trolley they actually believe it it's just still like what there's always uh, donald trump is running for fucking president oh, okay. yes exa- we, we exactly yeah. <laughs> people are voting for that guy <laughs> think about that yes before you get all worked up about ghostbusters you need to about ghostbusters have some real anyway Next topic, as we need to get on to recently watched. We're getting on in time. Yeah. We're going to be here forever. I still got three other topics we could jump on. I guess you mentioned 
Batman v Superman. Uh, interesting change up over at Warner Brothers. Jeff Johns, who is a DC guy, um, is been put into a co Kevin Feige type role to kind of help show run a lot of that stuff over there after uh, the mixed reviews on BVS. Okay. Uh, negative reviews on BVS. Yeah. This is a fantastic move. I already thought that he had some position at Warner Brothers. Turns out I was wrong. I, I, not that I'm out there doing research on who's in charge of what, but just from what I have uh, here, having my ear to the ground of general movie stuff, I thought that he was already in charge of stuff. But it's nice that they're bringing in a DC guy, and hopefully he has a little, has as much power as uh, Kevin Feige. He, he's, he's co-kind of managerial role uh, with another guy. And so hopefully you can get DC films uh, pointed a little more in the right direction. I mean, they're there. I, I mean, you and I are alone in that yeah. uh, island. but Very whatever. much. <laughs> uh, we will agree that they could use improvement. They're not all the way to Marvel land. But they'll get there, probably. And if not, they'll die trying. They'll keep yes, they trying will. this shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, any thoughts on that or a next topic? Over to you. No, I... I'm I'm a fan of DC Comics. I want something different. I'm glad that they are trying different things. Um, we've I mean, we've talked about that whole aspect ad nauseum at this point yeah. with uh, Marvel and DC, and I I just think it's it's silly. And now now people are now I hear well, it's because Batman and Superman versus Superman wasn't that good. That's why Captain America isn't isn't like, you know, making Boku bucks. And it is. It's making a killing. But it's it could be doing better, and it's because of Batman versus Superman that it's not doing better. That's what I'm hearing now. I, I don't give a shit. Whatever. <laughs> That's All interesting. Right. What I heard about uh, Captain America's numbers is, oh, what did I hear the other day? I was like, what the? What? See, Isn't that I, ridiculous? I, just, I, just get, I haven't heard that one, but I, I get so tired of people going... These are all the reasons why Captain America Civil War is better than BVS. And I'm like, why are you... I mean, I get they're both comic book movies, but they're so polar opposite, completely different material. Why even compare them? Like, it's so strange. It's like saying, oh yeah? Well, here's all the reasons why The Dark Knight is better than Ghost Rider. And not that I'm saying BVS is Ghost Rider, but it's just sort of like, if you're just going to pull out two comic book movies, DC Marvel, to just randomly do things. I mean, I get that it has this similar sort of theme of heroes v versus heroes, but it's completely different. Like, get over yourself, Marvel fan. And DC fan, too. I've seen a lot of DC fans out there like, F you, Marvel can suck my dick because BVS was amazing. Calm down, bro. I mean, I... Yeah. Trust me, I'm a DC fan too, but calm down. It wasn't the yeah. greatest movie in the world. And I haven't yeah. seen Captain America yet. I'm hoping to see it this weekend. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm hoping to. We'll see. I don't know if I'll get around to it. I got a lot of yeah. shit going on this weekend, but yeah. I, I absolutely want to see it. I, I stand by that the Captain America series from day one, from movie one, is the best thing in Marvel Universe. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I, I thought that... This was good. like Captain America would be the low rung on the Marvel ladder. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, it's going to be Iron Man and Hulk and Thor. like Captain America. I'm like, really? Oh. Eh, he looks kind of silly. And and now look, I mean, because hey, he is. I kind of thought that too. And then I picked up one of the essential books 
just to as a primer, and I read most of that before I went to see the first uh, Captain America movie. I came out of the movie, unlike everybody else, mixed reviews on that movie, and still to this day. Yeah. Last weekend when I was away with my wife, it was on TV, much like Jaws. I watched the about the second act of it. That movie kicks so much ass. It's uh, I, <laughs> I will not hear people talk negative about that movie anymore. The first Avenger is an awesome film and I, brilliantly followed up by The Winter Soldier. And I have yeah. extremely high hopes for this film. I have read some negatives of uh, Civil War, though, where people are like, eh, I'm starting to see Marvel follows this outline A, B, C, D religiously to death. It's like, oh, you just now see it after 27 mm -hmm. movies? That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I especially noticed that after Iron Man 3 and uh, Age of Ultron. I'm like, okay, it's, uh, yep. Yep, it, it's following yeah. its formula. But hopefully uh, Kevin Feige can change things up now that the extremely sexist guy who is running the show over at Marvel has been ousted. Um, that's another thing I'm sick of hearing. I, nobody's putting women at the forefront of this thing. Yeah, Marvel doesn't put women at the forefront of anything because of the dickhead that was running that place. <laughs> like, they wouldn't even have uh, Black Widow um, action figures or dolls or stuff. Isn't that ridiculous? It's insanity. And we got yeah. a Wonder Woman movie that's done filming. So, yeah. fuck you. It's coming. Yeah. Uh, and even my six-year-old. My six-year-old is like, he loves Black Widow, which is funny to yeah. me. Like, but it's one of his favorite Avengers is, uh, okay, who's who's the lady in black? I'm like, Black Widow. Yeah. Yeah. I like her. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can't buy her figurine or, or action figure anywhere because that guy didn't want that toy to be made. He's been, he's gone now. So thank God for that. And hopefully, you know, yeah. they can change that shit around and start bringing, I, don't get me wrong, they've done some very empowering women stuff. But on the other hand, it's like, you're also, they also were keeping them down for a long time. Yeah. So let's just hope that the rhetoric can turn around and everybody will hopefully Wonder Woman rules. <sighs> I, I, care yeah, more, me too. I care more about that than Batman v Superman. Oh, really? Well, yeah, because everybody is going to be forgiving of, not everybody, but a lot of people are going to be more forgiving of a Batman and Superman. These male cape shit, you yes. know, they're the big two. They're iconic. Yeah, yeah I gotcha. But, but with, we have not had a solo female-led uh, you know, cape movie and Wonder Woman is going to be it. That's the first one. It's done filming, you know, for as much as yeah. everybody wants to scream that Marvel does everything best first. <laughs> well, they, we shall they see. They didn't start in the seventies <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, they didn't put a woman movie out front. So we will sh see. Hopefully it's not a complete train wreck. Okay. Let, uh, you want to tackle another, I'm sorry. I've ate up so much of your, uh, of this time of the second. No, 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 you're good. You're good. Anything you want to throw in for the second segment before we move on to recently watched? I don't think so. No, we're we're cruising right along. I mean, there's there's so much recently watched that. Uh, yeah, you're ready to move on to. <laughs> yeah. Okay, take us there, sir. Do do a, okay. do a couple. I've got them again, parsed in twos and threes. So uh, do what you got to do. Okay. Well, first off, I, I have to know what did you? I know that you commented on my Facebook uh, review of Cinderella, but did that surprise you? Yes, I was surprised, but uh, okay, I, I thought so. I, I that actually was a uh, <laughs> because we're admins on the page. I can like as soon as you schedule a post, I 
I'm not going to lie. Oh, okay. I go to look and see what it is because I'm just like, what's going to happen? And it, <laughs> it kind of steers my review for Thursday because it's like if it's a horror or whatever it is, I try mm. to do some different genre. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Uh, change it up. I like to keep it fresh. But yeah, and that's as, one of the reasons why I, I saw that, that. I was like, I gotta read this. <laughs> I couldn't wait, but I, I still, I, I posted my original reaction. I was like, Cinderella, really? Wow, interesting. Yeah, I, I am surprised too. And I watched the trailer a while ago, and I'm like, no, 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 that's not Eugene. And and then we're you know we're talking we're going to go to Disney World in November, and I'm like you know what. Disney has been doing really well with their live action stuff with Maleficent, which I thought was a really good movie, and especially Jungle Book, which was great. I'm like, I gotta give Cinderella a chance. And that was a good movie. And my wife and I, we're, it's not the best thing ever, but I love that story. And it's because I was a child when I watched the original cartoon. So I fell in love with Cinderella and fell in love with the story. And I know it's about a princess and who cares? Uh, but the remake was a very, uh, it was, it was very true to the source material and it was very, uh, very honoring of the source material without going, without stepping too much out of the bounds as far as how to change things up completely. Like there were just minor things like, Oh wow. They didn't actually, use a castle that looks kind of like the Disney World castle yeah. in this movie. It's a completely different castle and her dress looks different. And But I still, I love that. For some reason, I really like that story. Um, and it's probably because of my childhood, just like Ghostbusters. I grew up with Ghostbusters, so I love Ghostbusters. So having said that, uh, with Ghostbusters and Cinderella and my history with those movies, I recently rewatched The Goonies. Thinking, I, I picked up for, I picked up for Cheap, really cheap on Blu-ray, used. Uh, so thinking, I have you know what? I haven't watched this movie in years and years. The last time I watched it was with my wife, probably on DVD, right, right after we got married. I, I don't remember, or maybe even before we got married. Um, so like, yeah, the Goonies, and then I watched it, and I'm like, that's right. I didn't grow up on this movie because my mom and dad didn't let me go see this movie when it was playing in the theaters because I bitched and moaned about, you have to take me to the Goonies. To the point where they were like, no, no, actually, no, we don't. We're not going to take you. You've been a pain in the ass. We're not going to take you to see Goonies. I didn't grow up on this movie either. And I, so I didn't grow up on the movie until I watched it when I worked at the Video Connection in Northburg. And I watched it. I'm like, huh. Okay. That was something. It was Cute-ish. It's okay. It's an it's, it's okay. An okay kids adventure movie, but uh, I didn't watch it when I was that age. So yeah, I, I, and I didn't either. And and I've watched it several times since that first viewing. Every time I watch it, I'm like, huh, yeah, that was cute. Yeah, I see people I go truffle shuffle. Isn't that funny? I'm like, no, it's yeah, cruel like, and horrible. No, yes, exactly. I thought the exact. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, he's kind of overweight, and he's. I'm like, what? Well, this isn't funny. This is not funny at all. Yeah. To me, but uh, but then there, every every now and then there was a couple funny parts in it, like oh that was kind of cute, and now there's a pirate ship, and then there's the ogre type guy in it, and but I'm like, it's too long, and it's just Indiana Jones light, yeah, kind of. It's okay, but it's it's just okay, not, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I it's hard to to defend that stance because I'm, I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, but I think of the explorers. I grew up with the Explorers. I was that I age group. I love that movie. I did not yeah. watch the Goonies until I was in my twenties. 
I mean, isn't that that's crazy? We were probably the only two people that are, are into this type oh, of thing probably. that your, did not watch that movie. Your mom called my mom and was like, "Yeah, the Goonies. No, we're not taking it. Yeah, not going to watch the Goonies." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember. I was so. I mean, I'm like, I bugged the shit out of them, and I remember it too. For me, it was just one that wasn't on my radar. I, I, I mean, I remember the birth of the internet, and people were like, "Goonies," and I'm like, "Huh? What?" Yeah. You know, we didn't have any method to keep up with all of the movies that came out all the time. So it was just random, whatever we ran into, yeah. you know, I, I was getting movies from the, uh, the freaking cupboard. So, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what that sad sack collection was like? I, there would be times no. where I'd be like, can you get this movie in? They'd be like, oh, I don't know. It's just random what we get. And I'm like, this is Hollywood is magic. How this works. <laughs> They, they just send you movies randomly, and you can't you have no wow. control. Yeah, I, I go in it's your like, back wow. room of this convenience store, and you have two hundred movies. It's just random. Hollywood is magic. Yeah, <laughs> that's great and so true. And then I got my job at Video Connection. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Then, then, then I'd roll out to Millersburg. The occasional times that I get my parents to take me out there, and it was like. They have two rooms of movies. They have 500 movies. They must love Hollywood more. They, 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 wow. Yeah. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and it was stacks of movies. And, but uh, the Goonies was one of them that I'm like, finally, I'm going to watch the Goonies. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let's get this done with so I can get back on to make them die slowly and the next Friday the 13th and the whatever else. Okay. Well, it's your turn for a break because I just spilled my shit all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back in a minute. Oh. Carry on with Goonie whatever. Yeah, and there and there, folks, is our intro. Or is that our closing? You'll have to wait and find out. <laughs> okay, while Eric is gone, what else shall Eugene talk about? Ooh. Well, hey, while he's gone, I'm actually going to to, to jump back to movies that I think should be remade. Um what I did not talk about was another thing that I think I think should be uh, remade, and that is um, we should have another Jalo movie remade, and it could be a whole mishmash of the old early seventies, late sixties movies. But I think, and not any of this stupid bullshit popping up on Netflix that that, that looks like a Jalo, but it makes no sense at all. No, we need to have a black gloved killer. Uh, that it you set it even set it back in the seventies or if you want, but but straightforward plot with a bunch of red herrings and uh, it's kind of a slasher movie, but we're totally straight up giallo. Do one of those because it has not been done in so long. Because every now and then the only thing that we get are these artsy fartsy silly bullshit things that pop up uh, like. Uh, Barbarian sound, yeah, the, whatever. The color of the something on the what something and something that sucked. It was awful. And like, don't do that. Like, you have the you you know the style. You got the style down perfectly. It looks it looks great. It sounds great. And then you put nonsensical hipster bullshit in there that makes no sense. That it's it's fuck that. Anyway, <laughs> I totally agree, and I'm with you. I would watch that. I totally would watch Ugh. that. Um, Goonies was your one review. Any was there another one? Um, I mean, I did. I talked about Cinderella and oh, Goonies. Cinderella. I, yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, so I'm, I'm making my notes as I go. So that's yeah, totally illegible handwriting. That's great. Mm. Okay, 
Uh, my turn. Man, we're getting a lot of time. We gotta, we gotta make this quick because I need two rounds. I have to have at least two for tonight mm. to, to clear up. Because I have a couple more that I've got to hit on. Me I too. have to. I'm hit gonna on. be real quick on this first round. I'm gonna hit three real quick and pass back to you. Okay. I've uh, been diving into some stand up again. Oh. Uh, Ali Wong was on uh, Mark Marin's show uh, doing stand up. Okay. She was on Mark yeah. Mark Maron's show. Oh, she okay. Uh, who is I've never heard Me of her. Me either, but she was on Mark Maron podcast and I listened to that. I really liked her, so I was like I'm going to go check out the uh Netflix stand-up she's pimping and it was very good. Uh, you would like it. Uh, you would enjoy it. And she did it when she was uh seven and a half months pregnant. Oh, okay. Okay. I saw that one pop up on Netflix. I'm going to add that to my list. You would right like that. Now. It was good. I enjoyed it. There was only one part that made me cringe hard. Like, eh. actually, I watched it twice in one day because I watched it. And I was like, wife would probably enjoy this. So I watched it with her later that night. It's short, fast. It's good. Thumbs up. Watch Baby Cobra is the name of it. Okay. Uh, Patton Oswald talking for clapping. It's Patton Oswald. Are you a fan of Patton Oswald? Yes, you are. Or you're dumb or wrong. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> and it was totally satisfying it, it, what you would expect from Patton Oswald. And lastly, Louis C.K. I haven't watched a lot of his stand-up, but I'm going to try and seek oh, out more. I've I, seen every single thing he's done. I like him a lot. Everything. I like. I th- he's hilarious, but I have not watched a lot of his material. Uh, I, again, he was on Mark Maron's podcast, so I was like, damn it, I need to really get educated on this guy. And even though I am a fan, uh, I just haven't seen a lot of his actual hard work, which is the stand-ups. So I watched his current one that was added uh, live at the Beacon, Bacon Theater, Beacon Theater, whatever it is. It was awesome. Everything you expect from Louis C.K. So it's been a, it's yeah. been a lot of successes. I, I There was one I watched today that was a stand-up. I hit play on somebody I'd never heard of, and I, within five minutes, turned it off. <laughs> Couldn't even tell you who it was. It's like, nope, I don't like your style or anything about you. So, uh, that's it for, uh, there's three stand-up for you. I have one more round of stuff I have got to hit on. Okay. Until then, back to you. What do you got? Uh, real quick, have you watched anything from Tom Segura? That name is very familiar, but what is that? Dude, just Stand up? add him. Oh, yeah. Okay. Add I, him to the Netflix. He is so funny. Okay. I cannot imagine you would not like him. I'm not sure if that is wife appropriate. He's oh, my wife's pretty much fine with anything that isn't uh, let's kill babies and you know extremely hardcore. You know, uh, no, you're, you know you're that good. one yeah, okay. guy that we. Uh, oh. you know which guy I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about. Oh yes, I yeah. do. That yes. guy, not so much. Everybody else, she does very R-rated stuff. That's fine. But Tom Segura is probably my current favorite. Stand-up comedian. Really, he is. He is hilarious. It, in fact, so funny that I've watched his two stand-up acts on Netflix several times within a couple months. I'll, I'll so, definitely add him. You should check him out. He's really funny. Uh, okay, so for me, um, I, I've got to hit on this one because I rewatched this one, and it's just it's so good and it's so underrated. And that is Tom Savini's. Featured directorial debut, Night of the Living Dead from 1990. This is one of the best remakes, in my humble opinion, that has ever been made. Every time I watch Night of the Living Dead, his version, I'm completely blown away by how good it is. By the special effects 
by the soundtrack, but the score, the acting, the the way it was shot, it was so good. And I watched so much behind the scenes uh, features and interviews about during the movie and like when it was made, how it was made. He was going through a divorce at the t- at the time. The studio heads were were breathing down his neck, making him cut stuff out of the movie. What? Uh, and, oh, oh, yeah. There's, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm remaking. And this is <laughs> I Living Dead, and people are like, "Cut! You got to cut that." Yeah, that's, that's cut this. Much. Cut this. Cut this. Was and it making it for TV or some shit or something weird? No, like no. That? This got a theatric. No, it got a theatric. In fact, half of uh, Canon, the the one guy from Canon, was the behind this movie. Uh, Golem. Um, I think it may have been the other one, I think, but I'm not sure. Okay. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah, but one of the two canon guys. But uh, the movie came out in 90, 1990. It did not do good at all. But I got to tell you, this is a good movie. It's a damn good movie. I, I've watched it countless times, starting from Video Connection. And it uh, honestly, that this is one where as iconic as the original is, and it, that, the, the original is in my top 100, this is every bit its equal. Uh, I've seen it twice. I enjoy the film and I really appreciate it for what it is, but that first one was groundbreaking. I, going back to uh, the 60s, right? That was the 60s when that yeah. came out? Man, that was pretty hardcore. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, but And the 90s version is just so 1990. Yes, it is. It is. And I, something about that movie, and I... We're going right back to when I watched it again. Cause I literally like when I was working at video connection, the movie had played in theaters and like I got my job there and then it came out on, on uh, VHS. So it wasn't like that's an old classic. That was a new release. Like night of the living dead just came out on, on VHS and I worked there and I'm like, Ooh, finally I get to see this movie. And I watched it over and over and over, and I'm like, this is so good. And back then, I'm like, screw black and white. What? Yeah, Why would I, I watch understand. the, you know, what? Yeah, so it was a product of its time, but it was really, really good. So, Very true. Anyway. Yeah. And and also, uh, should I hit on another yeah, go ahead. real quick? Okay. Rewatched recently with my wife, The Hunt for Red October. Oh, yes. I was yes, wondering I, when you were going to rewatch that because I got you to rewatch that. <laughs> yes, you did. You did. That was one where I watched it in the theater with my parents at probably too young of an age because I did not get it. It was it's pretty intricate with its plot yes, it is. development. And it it came out a long time ago. What was that 19 Oh boy, I, I want to say 90 or 91. I'll look it up. Keep continue. Yeah. But that was back back then. It was too much for my teenage. I'm like, this is boring. However, that movie gets better with age. It is such a great movie. The writing, wow, the writing is so good. Yes, it is. It doesn't, and that is proof. That's to me. This is an action movie, and it has a very little action. But it's it's so suspenseful and so. Gripping and two hours and foot ten minutes long. It feels like barely ninety minutes. It flies by. It's it's great. I, and that's how I sold it to you yeah. on the rewatch. Was like, dude, I didn't understand this movie when I first watched it. You know, the first several times, it was just kind of an action movie or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but then I got a little older and watched it again and realized the plot of this thing 
is so intricately woven between so many aspects of politics yep. and the action, the guys on the ground and the guys, you know, back in city hall making the decisions of blah, blah, blah. It's genius the way this movie yeah. all works together. And then you get to that third act where it becomes more of an action movie and some things in here don't react well to bullets, Ryan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's genius. Yes. That that's that yeah. is my favorite shot of the movie, where it pans back and all those red kind of tower tubes go up, and it's like that is brilliant framing. This yeah. is an amazing film. That's it's a ten out of ten for me. I love yeah. that movie. And there was a time where that was the worst of the Jack Ryan movies. I the worst. I'll be, I'll be like, oh, I'll probably never watch that movie again. It's 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 Harrison Ford. He's Jack Ryan. Bullshit. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> yep. So, oh, anyway. So that turned you around in that movie. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a great movie. And and uh, even this rewatch, I'm like, I, I am hard-pressed to find anything I don't like about this movie. It's that good. Oh, it's genius. And it has all that hallmarks of, 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 the, of Die Hard. Because it... It yeah. wraps that thing around. At the, at the beginning, he's all, oh, turbulence on the plane. Ugh. And then at the end... Uh, he's uh, sound asleep with the giant teddy bear. <laughs> Music plays a big part of this movie as well for me because I have the the soundtrack that plays in my room, um, or in my room, and uh, on my phone it comes up on random. So oh, okay. I'm listening, you know, at work or whatever the hell I'm doing. All of a sudden, it'll be the uh, Russia national anthem or whatever the shit, and he's like, "Let them sing," and then you oh, and yes. you realize he had a motive behind that. He knew that they everything. Would, he knew that they would hear that. It's, it was Paganini, not Pavarotti. Yeah. <laughs> there was a motive behind all of that shit, and everything. The best part of that movie is everything had to work perfectly. Perfectly, and that's what makes it. And upon rewatch, there's more and more things you pick up. Like, oh, that's why you did this, and that's why you did this, and it, and yep. if it had, if any of those one little things had not gone exactly to plan, and a lot of it was luck, yeah, it yeah. wouldn't have worked. And it just kind of did, and it was just over the line of believable. Like, I could kind of buy that this kind of stuff happened. Yeah. That was so oh, good. So great. Love that movie. Okay. Uh, real quick, real quick doubleheader of a documentary for me, and then I'm going to be done. Uh, Armin Van Buren. This was intense. Did you see this pop up on Netflix by any chance? I have never heard of that. Me either, but it's a uh, music doc uh, about electronic music, a guy who does uh, trance kind of techno dance music going out on tour. And we talk about concerts uh, uh, quite a bit because we're now I've been in bands and you're a concert guy and you're always trying to get me to go watch Slayer. And I'm I'm burned out on concerts for the last decade because I've been to so many. I'm just like done. Yeah. <laughs> Before I die, I want to go to an electronic music concert. That's something I've never been to. If you, if you're really, yeah, if, you're, if huh. you're really into concerts, try expanding and go to a different genre. It's really weird. I've gone to rock concerts my entire life, but if you go to a different genre, it gets weird. It's so odd and different. I've never been to an electronic one and I want to go. I really want you to watch this doc and you don't even have to watch it all the way through. They don't do a ton of electronic uh, music in it, but they really show how they put this show on. One guy sits down and invents this album and then decides I'm going to get a bunch of theater people together 
and make a show that he's done before, but it, he calls the show Intense, and this was Intense. That's the title of the film. He, he's saying that's what the documentary was. This was the Intense Tour. Um, he's a guy from Sweden or wherever they make, they make, uh, Sweden has like two exports over there, uh, Sweden, Netherlands, whatever. It's like electronic dance music and death metal, uh, Satan music. That's it. That's Oh that's, yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> the only thing they put out. Uh, this just happens to be the dance electronic, uh, side of it. And, uh, from the couple of very slim clips they play in the 90 minutes of this movie, I really enjoyed the dance music, uh, but it's not really what I go for on electronic, but it's close. That being said, I still would love to see it. It's a frickin' party, man. It, I think you would fully enjoy this documentary. Maybe not, I but... I just added it okay, to... Okay, you found list. it. Good. So so you like... Yeah. Yeah, it was... It was it, you know, even though... Even if you're... Here's the thing about this uh, this movie. Even if you're not a fan of this style of music, I think you might enjoy the documentary because... It's more about the tour and putting it together and the dancers and, and what it takes to put this kind of show on rather than electronic music and up your ass. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think you'd be annoyed by it. In that respect, give it a watch. Okay. Okay. Lastly, cool. documentary. Have to touch on. Oh, God. I gave a serious thought to doing this as my write-up for the week, but since you went so different with the Cinderella thing, I thought, you know, I don't want to chase anybody away, because I'm really going out there, and I should have brought this up as my first segment of the recently watched, because as soon as I mention what this is, I'm going to lose you. You're going to fall asleep. But please, do try really hard to stay with me for a minute, because there's a reason I want you to listen to this. Uh, the ESPN documentary series 30 for 30 did one on Cleveland called Believe Land. And the reason that they did this, uh, for most of us Cleveland fans, is because the Cavs are on the verge of winning a championship for Cleveland. And that is something that's not happened in 51 years. So that's why they went to rush to get this out, because the national media loves Cleveland. And the reason they love Cleveland and the reason we're always all over the uh, sports networks is because we're such sad sacks of losing and we're cursed and we can't win anything, whether our Browns or our Cavs or Indians. We just fail, fail, fail. Well, that shit's coming to an end, because that's the way sports cycles work. The worse you do... The higher draft picks you get, you get good players, you eventually get good. It is inevitable. <laughs> so the point of the point of the documentary was to show uh the truth about Cleveland and Cleveland sports fans. I've seen several documentaries on this subject, and it usually the overall tone is sad sack Cleveland fans, and we're all mad and sad and depressed. And, uh, there's just a giant cloud over Cleveland all the time. And Clevelanders just hate their life. And we're all miserable because we we've lost for 51 years. And that's not true. And that's not the way that Northeast Ohio fans are. And people that live here are hardworking people that want their teams to win. And there's more of a reason behind it of, okay. On the one end of the spectrum is you, you hate sports and that's totally fine. But there is a <laughs> socioeconomic reason for why sports is important to a city and a state and uh, the world. Okay? They bring billions of dollars into the uh, country and the city. 
and the state. So there's you on one end that hates all sports, and on the other end is ESPN that just lives for sports, and they try and make sports yeah. stories. If you listen, have a, I'm kind of like at about 35, 40%. I, I like some sports. I hate most of it, I, I and that's okay. But on the ES, ESPN side of it, they love Cleveland because we are the same, same, same. We're always losing. Poor us. <laughs> oh, we're so miserable all the time. Yeah. They love that story. They love replaying it nationally all the time. They, you would be amazed how many times, uh, us sorry bastards who never win at anything are in the news every freaking week. We are, it's, yeah. Because they love the story. They love it. They love feeding that beast of we hate ourselves and it's, we're not that we're, we're not that miserable, okay? We don't all live and die that way. It, it it's such bullshit, dude. But anyway, this documentary did a very good job of showing why we're big fans of our sports teams. You know, it's not that long ago that we were good. The Browns in the eighties, six eighty seven, we were right on the. I remember that. Said we're going to the Super Bowl next year. We're going to the. Super-. Everybody knew that. It was just these tiny fluke things that kept us out, and then Art Modell moved the team. That's. Son of a bitch. Anyway, <laughs> this documentary did a fine job of showing uh, the real kind of Cleveland and why we're mad about that shit and why it's so important to, uh, economically, why it's so important to the city of Cleveland. Cleveland is on the rebound, okay? The Lake Erie Monsters are a minor league hockey team in the playoffs right now. The Cavs are eating every villain up in their path right now. They're going to the finals. Good chance they're going to win. You think so? They're 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 destroying everybody. Like I was really worried about this last game. I hate fucking hate basketball. Yeah, I know <laughs> you do. The only time I, I care is I want Cleveland to win because I'm an Ohio guy. I want Cleveland to win. Yeah. Uh, so the only time I pay attention is the playoffs. I was really worried about this last game because like they they swept the first two series, and I was like, okay, uh, you know they've had nine days off now. And this other team, uh, the Raptors, I don't know if they, you know, we'll see at this first game. They blew them out by like 40 points. They just, they ate them up and destroyed them. I don't know of any team right now that can beat them in seven, uh, four times in seven games. I just don't see it. And maybe they'll lose at the last second and it'll be another thing like to go into the documentary of the fumble, the drive. Uh, Red Right 88, all of this bullshit that's in this documentary, you know, that all, every Cleveland fan knows. But, the important thing is that it didn't focus on that, and the the overall arc of it was not see how terrible Cleveland is and how horrible it is to be here and how miserable all Ohio people are. It, it, at the end, it was like they're very hardworking people; they love their sports teams, but it's not the it's not the life of death. But it, it also is very important to the city, and it is for every city. That is true of every city. It's just we haven't. Yeah. Frickin' won one, and but that's the reason why they ran this story now because we're they know we're on the cusp. We're coming, huh? I gotta say, I love Cleveland. My wife and I took a little weekend vacation up there. I love everything about Cleveland. I love the restaurants, the uh, the Playhouse Square up there. Uh, I, again, I'm not a big sports fan, but I do root for Cleveland. I want them to win. Uh, but that, this sounds interesting. I you know, honestly, I'll probably I, I give think it a that you could enjoy watching this thing, even as much as you hate sports. Be honest, you yeah. hate sports, and that's fine. I do. Uh, oh, I do. easily that's, yes, that's I do. Totally fine. But there is an economic uh, 
reason for watching this thing because of how much money sports brings into a city. And they touch on that quite a bit. So in that respect, I think you would enjoy the history of Cleveland sports fans, which is basically what this is. Uh, and I think that you should, I actually think that you, this one you would like. And the 30 for 30 uh, documentary series, it is all about sports, but it is yeah. very much a legit documentary series. These, uh, the few episodes that I've watched are, they're every bit as good as any other documentary I've watched. It just so happens that the core is on sports. So that's why I don't recommend them to you because it's like you hate sports, you don't give a shit. But <laughs> <laughs> is it feature? Li- is it feature length? Uh, they vary in in length, but this one was uh, ninety minutes. And again, this was one I was like, I uh... I know, but even, <laughs> seriously, even watching this one, dude, I was like, this is one where I'm like, I I think Eugene might like this. I think he would appreciate it because they're yeah. constantly showing the city. The only thing where I'd say is major negative on this is that they're not showing the recovery of the city. But it's not a doc about Cleveland; it's a doc about Cleveland sport fan. Yeah, uh, but I was glad that they yeah. they didn't show the extreme nonsense that you see on YouTube of the the one Browns loony falling down. Why God? Why and crying? And, you know, it wasn't like that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, well, here's the thing: if if we're if we're able to sit down and enjoy a movie like Damnation, which talks about dams in the United States, and think it's one of the best movies of the year, and it was. I'm sure that I could probably enjoy something like that. I this. think you would. And here's here's another way that I thought to present it to you as far as maybe you giving it a shot. Imagine if, uh, let's say Cinemark was the only uh, theater chain in Ohio. And one day they said, we don't like the way that the state is treating us with taxes. We're moving to Baltimore and we're taking every theater out. And you had no theater for three years. How pissed off would you oh, be? I, I mean, because the would... only way that you could watch any sort of theater would be to drive three hours to another state. That's what happened when Art Modell moved the Browns. And so whether or not you're into sports or not, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a form of entertainment and you have to appreciate how passionately pissed off people were by that. <laughs> and th- his son is on that this thing and he, he says at one point, like... <laughs> He's trying to defend his dad, and I get it, but he's like, you know, they, you know, it was only like three or four months, and then they just had to wait for a new stadium to be built. So technically, the Browns didn't leave, and it was only, it wasn't three or four years. It was um, complete and utter bullshit. Where I, I, I almost threw something at my new TV. I was like, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Anyway, whatever. He's trying to defend his dead dad. What, yeah. We all are going to do that. But ugh. anyway, it was a it was a very well made uh, thirty for thirty, and I, you know I still watch some of those, but I'm very selective because I'm not a gigantic sports guy either. I like football and hockey and golf, and that's about it. A couple of things. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just not as I'm not super hardcore. It seems like with sports, it's like you're either ultra hardcore or not. There's not very many in the middle like me. Yeah, there isn't because I I don't. Like literally, I didn't know that the cows were doing that good. <laughs> that's, a, that's fine. Like, it's <laughs> good for them. No, no you're good. Pay attention, because <laughs> <laughs> go LeBron and other people. Oh, I just want to win. Okay. I just want to win. I just want a trophy. Damn it. <laughs> no, I do. I, I agree. I, I mostly I just want to. The national media stops making fun of my city, 
And it's it's yeah. hard for me to even I shouldn't even say my city. I'm an hour away from it, but I love Cleveland to death. And it yeah, Cleveland is cool. It's a freaking party town, man. I, I wish they yeah. would have just at the end shown like East Fourth or some shit, like on a Friday night in the summer. Oh, it's great. Oh yes, and and East East Fourth that's getting close to Cleveland Agora. Yeah. Now you're talking now you're talking my territory. Get down to Cleveland Agora. Yeah, uh, there we go. And there, there's so many great restaurants and so much great theater. It's it's. Yeah, it just makes me mad that people in the national media lump us down as we're all just sitting around, hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah. Wah, we're just crying wah. on each other's shoulders because the Browns lost in the eighties. It's like, screw you, no, we're not. It's not the way yeah. it is. Okay, uh, now that we can wrap this, anything else you want to add for this episode? Let's do a tease round. What do you got coming? Okay, up? Um, I've got a couple of old school giallos that I'm going to be watching, and coming soon. Coming soon to Blu-ray, and I got in on this while it was on sale on Amazon, but Jaws 2, 3, and 4 are coming to Blu-ray, and Jaws 3 is actually in true, real 3D. Oh, wow. So there you go. There you go. So Jaws 2, 3, and 4 are coming to Blu-ray, and I am all about that. <laughs> I don't give a shit how bad they are. I'm all about that. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Two stars, one and a half, and zero. And it, That's probably right. Probably. probably. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, you'll give three um, to part two. You'll give three stars part oh, two. Yeah. That's no, That's part two was a good movie, yeah. Part three, honestly, and f- four, I, I will admit, I have not seen part four since the theater. I watched it in the theater. I remember almost nothing of it other than Lion Roar Jaws. And part three, I watched a couple times on VHS. I, I honestly don't remember much of three and four, but I'm looking forward to rewatching those and probably hating oh, them. Oh, part three is where my love of Jaws came in because that was the first that I watched of Jaws. Dennis Quaid, I'm automatically on board because, yeah. you know, I loved Inner Space, so yeah. I'm there. I, I didn't yeah. even notice the bad effects of the not thin moving, you know, statue. Yeah. It's so funny how in part two was the first one that I ever watched. And I'm like, and, and it's good, but um, Jaws is oh, the original classic, but, 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 yeah, but even Jaws two, it's like, oh, that, that's still a pretty good movie. Yeah, and, it is. Uh, and, it is. And it, I think you'll find that it holds up. Okay. Anything yeah. else on deck? No, that's okay. That's, that's uh, for me, I got some stuff from the library. Uh, you will see with tomorrow's review. Uh, also, Man from Uncle, uh, Ant-Man. I got that from the library because Addie wanted to see it. So I was like, yeah, definitely. I loved it. Uh, we are still here. I started watching on Netflix. Oh, I was going to ask you about I, that. I, Have only, you finished I only watched that? like five minutes of it. I just okay. play. wanted to see what uh, What's-Her-Name looked like. And wow, is she aged like wine. Yes, she has. That's a good movie. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to finish it, I, especially after I, – I, that's why I texted you. I was like, wait, was this one of the bricks, the grenades, or Jim? And you were like, yeah, yeah watch that. that was a good movie. I'm going to watch it. That's a good movie. And watch that. You, you were with me when we watched uh, – when you watched uh, House by the Cemetery, correct? Lucia Fulci's House uh, by the Cemetery? Yes. Yes, yes, Fulci, yes, yes. Okay. Because there is, I think, there is definite nods to Lucio Fulci's House by the Cemetery in We Are Still Here. I will look out for that. Uh, yeah, so check that and out. lastly, Angels and Demons. I haven't got around to watching it yet. <laughs> no, uh, between the uh, yeah uh, stuff that I reviewed on Thursday, uh, Hitman Agent 47, 
and Man from Uncle I'm watching right now, and Ant Man, you know, a lot of stuff on the stack. Movie. Hey, and you still need to watch Screen Factory's uh, Army of Darkness that I gave. Yes, you. I do, but I'm kind of really savoring that till when like kids are out of the house and I can kind of crank it up. Which might yeah. be this weekend because ah. someone might have a birthday. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, Freakspod at yahoo.com for email, facebook.com moviefreakspod, and on the Twitter at moviefreakspod. That's going to be it for this episode. I'm Eric Marner. I'm Eugene Weaver. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening.